Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. This is a playoff preview podcast. I I know, right? It's pretty shocking to say that out loud considering the Eagles have become, I would say, without any question or doubt, one of the five worst teams in the NFL. It's shocking. It's disheartening. But it is what it is. <laughs> um, so we got a, t- a bunch to talk about. I mean, it's this goes without question. I think everybody could agree with this. This is the oddest playoff week feeling ever. I mean, I, I can't recall feeling the way I feel for a playoff game like I do, you know, this week. <laughs> it's... You know what I mean? You, when you get in the playoffs, let's just start. Like, let's just talk about the playoffs, right? You're in the playoffs. You have hope, right? The whole point of getting there is hope. Even two years ago, when we got in, you know, nine and seven, we had a claw. You know, like you know, claw your way into the playoffs. You accomplished. You felt like you accomplished something. Now, sure, it was a facade. We had beaten teams that, you know, were playing quarterbacks that have been on the team for two days and guys that aren't in the NFL, like. It was very fortunate in regards to scheduling, but, you know, we clawed our way in and then we got boat raced. But I mean, at that point, you still had hope. You're like, hey, they fought their way in. At least they have a fighter's mentality here. And it just feels like this team has given up. So you go into this game and yeah, they could tell you all week, hey, we're zero and zero. It's it's a new season. Um you know, Dallas Goddard talking about how, hey, maybe when we made the playoffs, we took our foot off the gas or something. Like, all these dumb excuses that are just that, excuses. They don't make sense. They're not true. But they're trying to say something because they don't have the answers in the building as to why this happened. So they're trying to think of narratives that it would just make sense as to, oh, this is why this happened. It's reasonable. They don't get why it happened. You know, we were... <laughs> And I keep hearing it, and it's like, we were 10-1, and one, but that team was not 10-1. and one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they were 10-1 and one in record, sure. They were resilient. But they weren't a 10-1 and one football team. Like, you didn't look up and go, man, the Eagles are that team that if they're on the schedule, you don't want to play them. That's just how it was. Like, I mean, we all got offended after the Cowboys game where everybody in Dallas was talking like they won. They're like, hey, you know, we have no fear. We know we're going to beat that team the next time we play them. And we're like, hey, you lost. You lo-. But it was like, you look back to it and you're like, I could see why they were saying that. They left about 45 points on the board. You know, it, put it like this. This season, the Eagles did beat the Buffalo Bills. They did beat the Dallas Cowboys. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat the Miami Dolphins. Those are four of, in my opinion, what, the seven best teams in the NFL. They also lost to the Jets. They lost to Drew Locke and the Seahawks. They lost to the Cardinals. They lost to the Giants. And my goodness, did they ever try to lose twice to the Commanders. And they really tried to lose to the Patriots. So where are you? 
You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they got shocked by a bad team once. It was four times. Yeah, they beat four really good teams. But they also played the Cowboys again and lost by 50. They also played the 49ers and lost by 50. You know what I mean? Like, and that shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't be talking about the Eagles not being a really good team because there is no team on this or in this league that has the talent and offense that the Eagles have. I'm going to give everybody a heads up here. No team, like, I know the cool thing now is, like, to point the finger at Jalen Hurts and say he regressed. I want to remind everybody, when Marcus Mariota entered the game for the Eagles on Sunday, and he threw an interception on a bubble screen, the only possible way a bubble screen is being intercepted is if the defense knows it's coming. So put that into perspective. And then, you know, you could talk about the second half of that game. The Giants were on cruise control in the second half. It was over. But, I mean, they knew when, that, when we ran that bubble screen in the first half, it was coming. So think to this. There has to be, what, a 70 to 75% chance on every play. The defense pretty much knew what was coming at them from our offense. That's how simple it is. It's predictable. You know, the Christian McCaffrey video. Go through the whole caveat of things this year. That's, that's the frustrating part. Because the whole idea that Jalen Hurts regressed, well, of course. No quarterback playing that position could have any type of success if the opposing defense knows our, your place. It's just not, you could have Patrick Mahomes. You could have prime Dan Marino. You could have prime Peyton Manning. You could have whoever you want. Tom Brady ain't succeeding in this. Joe Montana ain't succeeding in that. It just is what it is. There's no disguise. We talked about that on our defense last year, how the Eagles had no disguise on defense. Well, now they have no disguise on offense. Their plan is talent wins out. Now, do I put it all on Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson? Of course not. The players play. They make There's mistakes being made by the players for sure. But I look at our team and I go, the biggest problem with the Philadelphia Eagles is coaching. Because the talent didn't evaporate. This isn't Space Jam, everybody. You know? Aliens from a different planet didn't take the talent from the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just not being maximized. We did not use DeAndre Swift in any way, shape, or form in the, the, to the caliber we should have this season. Like, that guy is a weapon in the pass game. We got nothing out of it. Nothing. Nothing out of him. In a year where he stayed healthy. You know, that was the only question on Swift. It was health. He stayed healthy. Got nothing out of him in the pass game. Julio Jones was on this team for, you know, three quarters of the season. Got nothing out of him in the pass game. Except the Cardinals game, right? And AJ and Devontae are just so good that we got stuff out of them. But it was almost like nothing was ever easy for them. We don't go under center. We don't use play action. There's nothing like, those are easy things built into NFL offenses. And they do that. Like play action still works. Like under center play still work. The reason the teams in the NFL do it because it puts the defense at a compromise. If you're under center 
and you have a halfback lined up behind the center, there's not a tell to where you're going to run the football to. You know, you could go left, you can go right with the football, you can go outside zone, you could go inside, you could do whatever you want. But when you're in shotgun and the running back is lined up to your right, 95% of the time you have to run the ball to the left of the center. That's a tell. That's predictability. So yeah, it's not terrible to run the ball out of center once or out of shotgun once in a while, for sure. But you don't see uh, Detroit doing that. You don't see the Rams doing that. You don't see San Francisco doing that. And I tell you, arguably, those are the three best run teams in the NFL. With, by the way, the exception of, you know, Baltimore. But if you ever watch Baltimore, they're in the pistol a lot, which is shotgun. But the, the, the tailback is still lined up directly behind Lamar Jackson. Miami, same thing. Another, arguably, one of the best run teams in the league. Go through them. They all have something in common. And it's not in common because it's just, you know, by happenstance, it's because it works. So yeah, we have a preview for a playoff game. But really, what we're previewing is this. Is Nick Sirianni coaching for his job? I think that's undeniable at this point. And I think it's more so undeniable because right now, the list of coaches that are potentially available, to me, is arguably one of the greatest list of coaching like candidates, of open candidates that I've ever seen. You know, you, you have Mike Vrabel, who I know he's not the first name that comes up, but I mean, look what he did with Tennessee. I think Mike Vrabel is an excellent football coach. You have Ben Johnson from Detroit, the offensive coordinator. Look what he did with Detroit's offense. Then, you know, you got the big fish. You got Jim Harbaugh coming off a national championship with Michigan. Pretty sure Jesse Minner would come right with him too, right, as D coordinator. Unless Michigan made him that coach. You know, Speaking of D coordinators from Michigan, you got Mike McDonald, the D coordinator from the Ravens. But then you got Bill Belichick. You know, hey, I'm not going to forgive him forever cheating us out of a Super Bowl. So don't think that doesn't sit with me. But at the same time, this guy's 15 wins from breaking the NFL wins record. You think the motivation wouldn't be there to come to a ready-made team? What about Pete Carroll, by the way? Pete Carroll left go in Seattle. Pete Carroll is the ultimate winner. I saw a stat today during the heyday for the Seahawks there. There was a 98, think about that, 98 games. There's only 16 in a season when this was happening. 98 games were in the fourth quarter. This is 98 in a row. Consecutive games were in the fourth quarter. Seattle either had the lead or was in... Uh, or was within one possession of the lead. So they were never losing by more than eight at, at a point in the fourth quarter in 98 consecutive games. That means they were in every game for seasons. 11 out of his 14 seasons there, they had a winning record in Seattle. We couldn't beat him. So whatever Pete Carroll was doing against the Eagles was the, the perfect scenario because we could not beat him. 
How about Nick Saban? I heard Nick Saban is going to stay at Alabama. He's got a job there. He retired. But just telling you, hey, if you're moving on, I'm making a call on Nick Saban. I'm just having a conversation. You got a quarterback in Philadelphia who has immense respect for Nick Saban. A wide receiver who won a Heisman with Nick Saban. Another offensive lineman who, you know, played all five positions essentially for Nick Saban. You know, Josh Job on defense. Like, you can go through a list of Alabama guys there, right? But the most part, the biggest part about it is Nick Saban had no success in the NFL, right? Even though he won 10 games with Miami, I think. But, uh, you know, that's the stain on his resume. Come to a ready-made team. Clean that up. Solidify your, your status as the greatest coach maybe ever. Can't rule it out. What about Lincoln Riley? That's who the Eagles wanted two years or three years ago, right? And if you're whispering that the quarterbacks regressed, well, who was the one who made him the passer that he ended up becoming? Who developed Jalen Hurts into a passing quarterback? This is a, a pointless, though, conversation to really have because at the same time we're having it, it doesn't matter. The Eagles have a playoff game. Nick Sirianni could save his... Yes, 100%. Do I think if the Eagles beat the Buccaneers this weekend, or Monday night, which infuriates me that that game's on Monday, but regardless, if they win Monday night, do I think that saves his job? I don't. I, I don't know how beating a nine-win team saves your job when you believe you can win the Super Bowl. I think if they play, they beat the Buccaneers, and then they are competitive, like very competitive against San Francisco or Dallas or Detroit. I mean, potentially the Rams, I guess, but I would say the Rams take them out of there. But those three other ones, potentially. You know, I've heard the idea that, hey, the Eagles play really well, and Sirianni just gets told, hey, we're going to revamp the staff. I hate that idea. So what, you're going to tell Sirianni to go against his defensive philosophy and hire a coordinator for a defensive strategy he doesn't personally believe in. Then you're going to tell him, bring in somebody to run the offense, even though you're an offensive mind. So it's going to go uh, counteract with things you personally believe in. So what are you here for? What are you providing to this? You're just here because, you know, we wanted to get rid of everybody but you. This sounds like when, what, Peterson was there and they brought in Scangarello. Remember all those guys that came in and it just didn't work? If you're going to cut bait, cut bait. Now, in regards to Sirianni as practicing, you know, Javon Hargrave had some comments this week about how much more difficult the 49ers practicing is than the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that goes without saying. I think it's been common practice at this point that the Eagles have a soft practice schedule for, what, three years? I mean, hey, nobody was complaining last year when we went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I get that. I hand up. But... You know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I've never liked what the Eagles do practicing-wise. It's kind of like, hey, man, they're a very sloppy team this year. How do you get improved sloppiness? By practicing. Speaking of sloppiness, uh, Jordan Davis being fined for being overweight weekly is sloppy. That's not good. Tells you, it's like, how much do you want it? Just so many things going on with this team. And that's what's frustrating. It is because it's like 
we are in a Super Bowl window, and it's closing. And I'm just of the belief that if Nick Sirianni stays with the Eagles, I don't see how it gets better next year. I said it month, weeks and weeks ago. I kept using the word acumen. I didn't believe he had the answers to the test. I still don't, obviously. It's gotten worse. Looks like when you see the poor guy, it looks like he hasn't slept in months. I'm not sitting here saying he's not working hard. I'm positive he's working hard. I know he's trying to fix this. I know he is. I I don't believe he's mailed it in whatsoever. That's what scares me the most. Is that he is trying everything he can to fix this. And we're just where we're at right now. And it's not changing. Again, it's I don't want to put all of this onto one game. Like, oh yeah, if the Eagles beat the Bucks and they beat him up, that he keep, it, it shouldn't come down to that. We've have a whole season here where the Eagles just never looked like they put it into gear. You know what I mean? Think about it. Even when we were clicking, the narrative every week was, well, man, hey, eventually the Eagles are going to put it all together in a game, and it just never happened. Which makes you think in your head, you're like, oh well, maybe they just never had the ability to put it all. No, it's like. They didn't ever put it all together. I mean, our best, what, scenario is the Miami game? And that's great. I mean, it was a great game. Don't get me wrong. The Eagles played a, a phenomenal game there. But that was your ceiling? You know, Miami was beat up in that game. No Ramsey, no Howard. Their offensive line was, was in shambles. And that's what we're hanging our hat on? You know, Kansas City, look how ugly we played offensively for a team with an... Like, I don't want to hear, hey, the Eagles had a top five offense or any of that stuff. They should have a top one offense. You know, Brian Johnson's getting um, head coaching interviews. And, and again, maybe Brian Johnson has a great offensive scheme somewhere. And he's just not able to employ it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we get mad at Patricia... But Patricia's calling a defense for a scheme that he never, like, it's not the scheme he believes in. You ever think Brian Johnson might be calling plays for a scheme he doesn't believe in? But it's Sirianni's offense. Yeah, he could have input. Other people could have input. But to me, it's like a sign of a great coach. Is it's not like, it's not my way or the highway ever. And again, I don't know all the answers to the test. Like, uh, in regards to what's really going on with the Eagles. Like, Jalen Hurts alluding to today that, like, there's so much that people just don't know. And he's right. So a lot of it is a guessing game. Like, I'm sure if I knew everything going on, I could be giving you much more well-informed answers. But I don't. And again, I don't think you'll ever will know. Like, you know what I mean? We never really knew what happened with Peterson. You never really knew what happened with Chip. You know, your ideas, things have been floated out there. But I, I just know in my, like, oh, are they free balling in the offense? Are they going rogue? Are, like, all these theories, they're theories. They could be confirmed tomorrow, but they're theories. And Jalen Hurts ain't confirming them. He ain't going to rat anybody out, regardless of Sirianni's fired or not. Nobody on that team is. We're just in a frustrating spot. 
because we're in the playoffs. We're an 11 win team. And that's the other thing the whole Sirianni's win record, all that. Just throw that out the window. It doesn't matter. If you're not first, you are last. But I'm not saying, like, okay, the Dolphins limped into the playoffs. But I think everybody who watches the Dolphins doesn't think that Mike McDaniel's offense is broken. They've had people missing. Things have went wrong. But when you see it, you still see creativity. You still see it, hey, that it can be... Like, I watch the Eagles and it's just like, there's no hope. That's the difference. I haven't watched our offense one time since last season and thought, man, there's some creativity here. Because anything they did that was creative last year that they're trying to do again this year, it's been figured out. So now it's predictable. Well, we do have a playoff game, so let's just go over the injury report, um, which isn't good. Three people that did not practice, Reed Blankenship, A.J. Brown, and Sidney Brown. Well, Sidney Brown's done, obviously. A.J., I think, is going to play, but he didn't practice today. Reed didn't practice, which isn't good, because uh, we're down to two safeties. If Reed doesn't play, literally, we're down to... And it's a practice squad call. My assumption would be there would be two practice squad elevations, both of which would be safeties. It would be Tristan McCollum and um, Makai Gardner. That'd be my guess. But, I mean, I, I, I'm, that's the thing with Reed. He's on here all the time. You know, it's just not a good sign, too. You're on the freaking injury report every week. Now, people that were limited was Britton Covey with a, his groin and... You know, most importantly, Jalen Hurts with his finger. Said he shouldn't have went back in the game. Duh. But, I mean, I'd be stunned if Jalen Hurts isn't playing. I'm safely assuming he's going to play Monday. And then full participants were DeAndre Swift with his illness. Looks like he's recovered. Darius Slay with his knee. He's good to go. And Devontae Smith with his ankle. Full part a full participant, which is major. Because, hey, we run an ISO basketball offense. We need everybody on offense that we can get in terms of talent. That's where to keep your eyes on is that injury report. Because if you see a DMP for Brown and Blankenship tomorrow, start worrying. Start worrying majorly. Because, I mean, you'll be starting Tristan McCollum and Kevin Byard at safety. Ugh. Now, we'll, I want to talk about the playoffs. Do a little quick, you know, review of what's going on with the playoffs. But how about our final power rankings and final MVP standings for the season, right? So my final power rankings, top 10. I put the Rams 10th. I put the Eagles ninth, which is way too high. They should be actually like 27th. But I just, my bias couldn't let them get outside the top 10. Eighth, I had the Browns. Seventh, I had the Chiefs. Sixth, I had the Dolphins. Fifth, I had the Lions. Fourth, I had the Cowboys. Third, I had the Bills. Second, I had the 49ers. And number one, earned by the Baltimore Ravens. Now, MVP, final five, I went with Tyreek Hill fifth, Dak Prescott fourth, Josh Allen third, Christian McCaffrey's two, and the best player on the best team, 
wins the MVP, and that's Lamar Jackson. Now, I, I changed my tune. I mean, I still think I'd be cool with them giving it to McCaffrey, but hey, the Ravens, I mean, what they did to San Francisco and Miami to end the season, I know a lot of that's defense, but Lamar played lights out in those games too. He earned the he earned it when it mattered most. Now, my playoff predictions, so it's pointless to go through the whole thing because we'll be talking throughout the whole playoffs so we can go week by week, but this week we'll start with the first game, Houston and uh, Cleveland. It's in Houston. Like, that's a big deal. I mean, it's a huge deal that, like, Tank Dell ain't playing. Like, C.J. Stroud's a really good player, obviously. Nico Collins, really good. Baltimore just plays really good defense. Jim Schwartz, shout out. Flacco is turn back the clock. I'm going to go with Cleveland. The Saturday night game is what? Going to have record temperatures, maybe minus 30 degrees in the wind. Um, it's in Arrowhead. It's Miami and uh, Kansas City. Now, initially I thought, oh, well, Miami smoked because, you know, they're a warm-weather team going to this. But when it gets that cold, it's like it doesn't matter. If I live in the Northeast, we all, like, you know what I mean? Like, go outside. Zero, zero. Like, 30 is one thing. Like, if it was 30, oh, man, Kansas City sitting pretty. Because you could get you could feel that and get a little used to it. Nobody's used to minus 30. And Miami's a really good run team. I am not ruling out Miami wins that game. I'm not kidding. Like, I am torn. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins to beat the Kansas City Chiefs because of just how cold it is. And that's a shocker, by the way. Like, you know what I mean? For To go against Mahomes and Reed at home in the playoffs. But I just think that this is not an advantage like initially thought maybe for the Chiefs. Now, 1 o'clock, Sunday, you got the Steelers going to Buffalo. Weather issues there, major weather issues. <laughs> I'm going to go with Buffalo simply because it's like Rudolph at quarterback, but I'm going to tell you this. Pittsburgh has a real opportunity. Now, T.J. Watt not playing his major, but... They can keep that a lot closer with this. This weather is the dream scenario for the Steelers. They're running the ball good right now. Looks like it's going to be that type of game. They play really good defense. Josh Allen is being neutralized by the weather potentially. Like that is, it's it's a recipe for Pittsburgh to make this interesting. That's all I'm going to say. But I will go with Buffalo. But I'm telling you, I like it's not. I think that's one to watch. Weather 50-50s games a lot, right? It makes them, you know, a coin flip. I'm just telling you, I'm not ruling Pittsburgh out there. Uh, then you got Green Bay and Dallas, and that's another one. Like, <laughs> Green Bay is been playing playoff games, it feels like, for a month. Jordan Love is a pretty damn good player. Jaden Reed's a pretty damn good player. You know, they're running the ball a lot better with Aaron Jones. Their defense is a big issue. That's the thing. Like, they run a Fangio scheme, too. Can they score with Dallas? Because that's what it's going to come down to. Can you score with the Cowboys? I think they could score. I just don't know if they could score with the Cowboys. I'm going to go with Dallas. But again, that's another one where I think Green Bay can hang around. And nothing would surprise me. And spoiler, if, if Green Bay does beat Dallas, 
I think we could also count Dallas in on probably finding a head coach. I could see them cutting ties with McCarthy over. I really could. Then, the Sunday nighter. Detroit hosting the Rams. The Stafford return game, right? I'm going to go with Detroit. I know everybody's picking the Rams. I know they're the cool, trendy thing to do. I'm going to go with Detroit, though. I think that they are going to unleash Jameer Gibbs in this game. I think it's going to be a Jameer Gibbs game. I'm not sitting here saying anything against the Rams. I think that clearly I knew it early in the season when we played them. I thought, hey, they're a team to watch. Defensively, though, their back end is just, it's tough. And Ben Johnson calls such a creative game. I think he's going to put them in some pickles. I I think Detroit's going to have no issue scoring, especially at home. They haven't had all year. I like Detroit. And then let's finish it up. Eagles, Buccaneers. I, personally... Man, this is, it's like, how do you pick the Eagles? How do you pick the Eagles? That's why I'm not going to pick the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts might put on a cape. But again, I mean, I, again, I, the injury scares me. It's his throwing hand. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what that's going to do. I think offensively they're going to play a little bit better. I, I really do. Because it's impossible to play worse than anything against the Giants. But I just don't know if they have the answers on defense. But again, I mean, I know they kind of maybe one of their – probably their second most impressive one in the season was what they did to Tampa Bay in week three. But I mean, when you lose to the Cardinals and the Giants the way they did, you can't – screw it. I'm picking the Eagles. The Eagles win. Again, I'm going to root for them, even though I know if they do lose that this might be like, what is it, existentialism, the greater good? Because he, they will move on from the coach, as they should then. And you're almost thinking in your head, can we win? If, we, if I don't think we can win the Super Bowl and we need to get a new head coach, what needs to happen? Like, what's the nightmare scenario that the Eagles play these guys, win this game, go to San Fran, lose by three, seven somehow, by some miracle? keep it close and competitive just enough that they go, hey, we're going to give Sirianni another shot and we piss away next season. Like, that is the nightmare. I'm telling you, that's the nightmare scenario. But, hey, sign me up for some bad dreams then because, again, I just, I, I want a chance. And I believe in the quarterback. So I got the, I'm going to go with the Eagles. By the way, if that all plays out, your playoff games the following week would be, uh, Let's see here. You took the Browns. I took the Dolphins. And I took the Bills. So it would be the Bills and the Browns. And it would be the Dolphins and the Ravens in a rematch. And then in the NFC, it would be... um, That's the AFC, obviously. This would be the NFC. You would have the 49ers and the Eagles. And then the Cowboys hosting the Lions. Lots of news will be coming Monday night. We'll probably have a good idea what's going on. Hey, I, like, you know what I mean? If, like I said, if it goes really sideways, we're going to for sure know. But, you know, I, I don't know. Next week, regardless, is going to be an interesting week. We're either going to get jacked for another divisional round playoff game. Hey, yes. Or we might be on a full-on coaching sort, uh, search here for the first time in three years. Want everybody out there. 
to stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated. And as always, go Eagles, go.